Um, so, just want to tell you a little bit about us. For those of you um, that maybe don't know Jeff and I, uh, we've been married 17 years, and it's been amazing. Thank you, Tina. Thank you very much. Um, we met at Simpson University down in Redding, California. His dad was our professor, so we met in Dr. Brown's class, preaching one, and Jeff would always make me laugh, and then Jeff would get in trouble because I have a loud laugh, and I'm just loud, period, but also my laugh is loud. And so um, Jeff would get in trouble for making me laugh, and then the rest is history. So, yeah. Uh, we have four amazing children that I love very much. Caleb is, oh yeah, there's my cute family. Um, Caleb is a seventh grader over at Parish Middle School. And Samaria is a fifth grader at Grant, and she's actually here right this evening with us. Um, and then Isabel and Olivier, those precious little Congo cuties, they are third graders out at Western Christian. So that's a new adventure to have them um, at a different school, kind of across town, like way across town, um, to drive. But it's been a really good fit for them, and so we're really grateful for that opportunity. Um, we have a dog, Kiko. He's a little mini Australian shepherd, and he is awesome. He's amazing. Our chocolate lab, we had her for 13 years, Allie, R.I.P. Allie. She was the best, right? Right, Anna? Like, Anna knows. She was one of my D-group girls for a long time, um, and Allie was a pretty amazing dog. But this Kiko, he's got something going for him. He's a rock star. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't believe in, like, what I call it, rebirth or not rebirth. Reincarnation. Uh, reincarnation necessarily. Good job, Kara. But Way to go, jet lag. This dog is, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. This dog feels like our old dog, re, like yeah. reborn, just super chill and, and uh, a blessing. Hey, tonight we're going to talk about prayer. Um, at least that's what they've told us that we need to talk about. Uh, and, and we do have some thoughts to share about prayer, but I want to just set the stage real quick because whenever you bring up prayer with people who may have been in the church for a long time or grew up uh, in the church or have heard that word for a long time, uh, which I'm guessing some of you in this room are in that boat. What tends to happen is, is shame can rise because when maybe even as I said the word prayer, you immediately heard, you don't do that enough. Or something in the back said, oh, this is going to hurt because you're bad at this. Or because you're not where you want to be in this. Now, some of you may be rock stars and actually should be up here teaching. Um, yes, sorry. And we would love to learn from sorry. you. Sorry, yes. Also, Deanna and Pat, you guys can sit down because that's not going to get handed out for a long time. So, yes. yeah, you yeah. can just sit and enjoy. Thanks for being ready. Yes. That's toward the end. Yeah, you yeah. guys are the best. So, Go ahead, sorry. So, with that said... And maybe you feel that way. I feel that way when prayer is brought up sometimes. Um, and, and the voice of should comes out. And can I just say in this room, let no shame rest on your shoulders as we talk about this. Prayer was not introduced by God so that we would feel burdened. Prayer, I'm trying. Prayer wasn't introduced by God so that you would feel shame or burdened or feel like you don't, you don't measure up. So I just want to speak to shame in the room because I'm, I'm in that same boat. I'm already feeling it and I'm speaking about it. 
that no, this is, if you feel shame, tell that voice to go to hell. Okay, because that's where it's from. That is not the voice of God tonight. So if you feel that, that, that you know what it is, that feeling of I should or I should write this down and, 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 and make sure I do this every single day. That's not, that's not the heart of God. That's not our heart tonight. Okay, this is an invitation. Prayer is an invitation for us. Yes? Amen. Cool, cool. Amen. Yeah, and we're done. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> that was we're gonna pray for 35 <laughs> minutes. And yes, um, I think a lot of times what happens um, with most things in our life, a lot of where we get our ideas about it are from our childhood, right? Like how we grew up, um, what, what we were exposed to, what we heard, what we experienced. And so Jeff and I just want to take a minute or two just to tell you a little bit about how we grew up with prayer and what kind of thoughts and ideas um, we had. So for me, I grew up um, with a single mom who is pure gold on legs. And um, it was me and my sister. My sister's 10 years younger than me. And I, from my earliest memories, we went to a small Methodist church, like A-frame, steeple, the bell, they rang the bell, like the whole, the whole nine, like the storybook kind of church. Um, and it was always uh, the doxology and Apostles' Creed and Lord's Prayer. Like, those three I learned very young. And like, yes, okay. So every time the offering is brought forward, we stand up. And while, while the elders are walking forward with the offering, that's when you sing the doxology. And then we would do the Lord's Prayer. Um, and then Apostles' Creed as well. Um, so those are like my early church prayer memories. Um, and then I would say at home, it was very much um, pray before your meals because you're really thankful for your food. And um, pray when somebody's sick or like dying, or somebody's sad. Um, I don't have a lot of memories of just praying from a place of gratitude. And not that my mom wasn't a grateful person, or I wasn't, but that's just not, that just wasn't what I grew up with, was um, prayer was usually like a, oh shoot, we need help real bad, please help. And then like, thanks for the grub. And then at church, um, it wasn't necessarily a language or like a consistent thing. I don't know if anyone can relate to that, but that was kind of my experience. Mine's a little bit sim similar. Uh, I grew up in a home, my dad was a pastor, uh, and my mom played the piano for the church because that's what pastor's wives did in the 70s and 80s, right? Uh, they don't do that so much anymore, uh, and that's fine. But uh, that was my, my uh, growing up experience was in a pastor's home. Being in a pastor's home, at least uh, where we were at, we were in the East Coast in Virginia and Wisconsin and Florida. Um, uh, it felt like you were in a fishbowl. Any PKs in the room? Any pastor's kids in the room? Yeah! <laughs> we'll have a support group outside for you. Uh, and Sam, oh yeah, you are one, aren't you? That's great. You can come too. Um, so it felt like you're kind of in a fishbowl, like, like uh, everybody was watching you to, to well, A, as an example, right? Like you're the pastor. I feel like you sh you, there should be some sort of like, you, you kind of are farther along in this whole journey than the rest of us, uh, hopefully. Uh, but there was also this, this negative side of it that there never was the freedom to mess up. Um, there never was freedom to, to be human, really. Uh, and so that, that ingrained in me very early on uh, a negative 
uh, attitude towards prayer, and really anything that that was considered a part, should be a part of the Christian life. So Bible study, devotions, they called it quiet time back then. I don't know if we still call it quiet time. I've tried to not use that term because it's got so much baggage (laughs) in my brain. Uh, But even though quiet time by itself is is great, I love quiet time, but but as far as how they described it to me back then, uh, my dad is an analytical person. Uh, He loves books, he loves information. Uh, It's what makes him a great preacher, but when it came to, to uh, describing or modeling things of the faith to us, it was very much head-oriented. So uh, we knew how to do prayer. And I, I, don't, I didn't mistakenly say do prayer instead of pray because we knew how to do prayer. But we didn't know why you prayed. We didn't know what was the heart behind prayer. Uh, we didn't know the heart behind a lot of things. That's just how, how we grew up in, with, with uh, my dad. I loved us very well. Uh, but, but it was always about the head. Um, so so that, that formed me uh, in my early years. I didn't really accept my faith as my own. I, five years old, I, I did our version of going forward to the cross and pounding a ribbon. Uh, so since five years old, I knew I was, that Jesus was my savior, but I don't feel like it became my own faith until high school. I rode the wave of my parents' faith for a long time, and it was fun. Uh, but, it, but it came a point where, where God got a hold of me. And that, that started to, um, to open me up to, to more of a relationship faith with Jesus. Uh, but even then, still, it was kind of similar, like, when bad things would happen, you pray. Or when great, like at the extremes is when you pray, right? Uh, never never in, the, in the, the mediocre part of life do you pray. So, um, yeah. And, and uh, so that, that's kind of our stories. What we'd love is to do a little table talk real quick at your table. And would you go as deep as, if you feel comfortable, just share what prayer, your prayer journey was like in your childhood years. Uh, or at least at the beginning of your faith. If it, if it wasn't in childhood, maybe it was later on. But uh, Yeah, because if you just accepted the Lord last month, you, don't really, you might not have a prayer experience as a child. So maybe just kind of your experience, whether it be whatever part of your life, um, if you feel comfortable sharing that, we'll give you guys a couple minutes at your table to chat about that, and then we'll come back. Talk amongst yourselves. Mm-hmm. Thanks for engaging in that uh, conversation. I know that you could probably chat more about that, but uh, Karen, I did want to talk a little bit about, um, so, so looking at our childhood is important, and, and I think it's also important with some of our, the wounds maybe we've experienced as a, as a child to, to look at them honestly, uh, and, and even sometimes move from, like for me, move from anger at whoever I grew up with to compassion for them, because they were... They were doing their best, and they're human, and uh, I'm not, not saying that to minimize any pain, but, but the, the idea there is not to uh, necessarily wallow in the childhood, maybe uh, wounds, but to, to recognize them, to ask Jesus to heal them, and then to move on to, to truth. And so that's what we want to do tonight. Uh, but we also want to share what we, we've been married for 17 years, like Kira said, uh, turning on 18 in May. No, is it? You were wrong. Yes. Seven, it'll be 17 jet in May. Lag. Jet lag. Jet lag. It'll be 17. Yeah. 
If I, I made that mistake, how. I can't use that excuse. No. Uh, so, so in the in those years, you know, that you heard our story, kind of growing up, and and uh, but our mar- for us in our marriage, we learned a lot about prayer. Uh, and there's a couple stories for us that rise to the surface, and we just want to share those stories, share with you what we. We learned from those stories about God and specifically about prayer. So take it away, babe. Um, I think we have a slide for 1 Corinthians 13. Um, how many of you guys have heard this before? Yeah? So I feel like this is one of those ones that everyone's like, oh, yeah, I know it, I know it. But if you actually have to recite it from memory, you're like, uh. So we know the idea and concept, and some of us probably have it very ingrained and memorized. I wanted to have it up while I talked about this because um, when Jeff and I were doing premarital counseling in Reading, where we were before Salem, uh, one of the exercises that the couple who did our premarital counseling um, had us do, and it was on the first time we met with them, was read through 1 Corinthians 13 and then take the word love and replace it with God. Because if we believe that God is love, then that works, right? So you can say God is patient, God is kind, he does not envy, he does not boast, he is not proud. Um, and you can go through that. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I even went to a Christian college and never heard that before. That's awesome. So like, all right. So I read through that and then... Um, and then they said, okay, now put your fiance's name in it. And I was like, what? <laughs> and um, so then I put in, Jeff is patient. Jeff is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He is not dishonoring. He is not self-seeking. And it was one of the most beautiful prayers I'd ever prayed in my life up to that. Like, I just was like, oh, my word. Like, I'm even getting goosies now. Um, And it was a very tangible, uh, for me, a very easy way to pray for my husband without feeling like I had to have everything fancy and perfect. Does that make sense? Like for me, a lot of times I feel like prayer needs to sound really good. Like the people, when they like pray real good, I'm like, yes, I want to pray like that. Um, And one of of my favorite prayer warriors, her name is uh, Shamala Krishnan. And some of you might have been here when her husband Sundar and her came to speak. I think it was a... Uh, Pentecost week weekend and um, this darling Indian couple and the accent is so awesome you can just listen to them forever but uh, we were in the Middle East with them um, and there was a group of us praying and Shamala prayed and I just the tears did not stop like it was just so powerful and so I asked her after our prayer time I said what what is it that gives Like, how how do I pray like that? Like, I would like to pray like that when I grow up. So how do I do that? And she said, Kara, I pray scripture. And I was like, oh. And she said, yeah, I I just pray God's truth. And I'm like, well, mic drop. All righty then. Um, And it reminded me of this. And I hadn't done this in a long time. Jeff and I, when we do premarital counseling with couples, this is one of the activities that we have them do because it was so powerful for us. And um, so I think as we share, we also want to hopefully give you a few ideas or maybe some tools to put in your pocket that you can even try out. So maybe you put, um, for some of us, we might not 
have a spouse. Maybe we're widowed. Maybe we're single. Maybe we're divorced. Maybe, maybe, I don't know your specific situation, but you can put anybody's name in there. So anybody that you love and you want to intercede for and you want to bless them and you want to pray for them, like you get to do that. Um, once we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we know like we can't do this on our own, um, we get the power and authority, the same power and authority that conquered the grave, like literally brought a dead man to life for eternity. I mean, that's an incredible amount of authority that we have as followers of Christ. And we get that. So when we pray, whoever it's for, um, or whoever you're wanting to bless or intercede on behalf of, uh, one of the tools that we have found to be very helpful is using scripture. And um, this activity was one that was a real game changer for us early on in our marriage. Yeah. And I, just to add on to that, I feel like it, it, completely like took the landscape of or, or our perception of prayer and just did this because so it was like I feel you ever feel like you're just praying the same thing help help yeah help or or even like you're like oh, I wish I wish I could use different words like I feel like my heart just wants to like I need a biblical thesaurus or something like that 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 I can I can use in my prayer it it, it completely gave us 66 books of things we could pray uh, we, you know, sit in the Psalms and, and not just read it, but use it as a tool for engaging with the heart of God, like pray it. Uh, another thing Sham said that, uh, that hit me was, um, there are amazing stories of God doing miracles, right? All in, all in this book. That's the same God we serve. So why aren't we praying for him to do it again? We sing that, right? That song, do it again. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. I believe you'll do it again. Let's pray that. Let's pray that God brings peace uh, in places of, of chaos and strife. Let's pray that God, and, and be specific about it. God, would you, uh, would you open the eyes of, of our leaders in America? Would you, whatever, right? So it just, it, it totally took the playbook, if you want to call it that, of prayer and swung it wide open. Uh, and it also, also, at least for me, gave me a desire to read scripture because I'm like, wow, if I can pray this, I probably should read it. And I'm a pastor, so I should probably should read it too. So, uh, I'm a professional Christian, right? Um, another story that, that uh, I would say completely opened up our eyes to another aspect of prayer. So Kara was... Uh, had, had just had our first son, Caleb. And if you're pregnant in the room and about to have a baby, close your ears, don't listen. This is one of those stories, you know, that you never tell. We won't tell all the details, but essentially, details. <laughs> she doesn't want me to tell all the details. I'll tell you later. Um, so it took, it took longer than expected for Caleb to come. Uh, we, had, we had a midwife and we were, she was giving birth at the midwife's house and complications arose, and so we were rushed to hospital. And so the beauty of that is that we had two different bills, which was awesome, because I figured, I figured the midwife- And a very healthy, beautiful boy. We did, he was amazing. <laughs> very healthy, very, very He was amazing. Uh-huh. Uh, but me being the provider in the house, I saw the bills. So we get two different bills, one from the hospital and one from the midwife, and uh, we're a single-income family. That income is a pastoral income. Uh, and, and, it, and all the educators uh, in the room said amen. You've all been in that situation where something just seems like it 
punches you in the gut. Uh, and you just feel like, I don't know how we're going to get over this. And I remember uh, it was in the morning. We were, you were feeding Caleb uh, like you do at that time. Yes. And a lot. And uh, we were just kind of chilling out. And we were literally, like, I just, we were just talking about this. How are we going to afford this? How are we going to pay this? Um, and we got a knock at the door. And our friend Becky is on the doorstep. Now, Becky uh, is not, not like a, a long-time friend. She's a friend of our, my sister, but we also knew her as more of an acquaintance and a neighbor. Excuse me. Um, and she, she knocks, knocks on the door, and I get up and get the door, and, and I open the door, and she looks awful. Like I, w- I mean, she just looked awful. She looked like she'd been up all night. He didn't say that to her. No, I didn't. Like, hey, Becky, you look awful. Whoa, Becky, you look horrible. <laughs> he didn't say that. I just wanted the ladies to these know are, you were a gentleman about it. These are thoughts it. in my head, and typically they don't make them, them out to my mouth. But, uh, but she, she looked like she'd been up all night, and come to find out she had. She'd been up all night. And she looked at us and she said, what do you need? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean, Becky? She goes, I'm trying to plan my husband and my 10th anniversary trip. That is what I'm trying to do. And I'm thinking to myself, Becky, what are you talking about? And she said, I can't do it because God won't let me stop thinking about you and Kara. I said, what? She said, I didn't sleep a wink last night because God didn't let me. And so she looks at us and she says, what do you need? I'll write a check. I will go get groceries. I will, and in my mind I'm thinking, well, you know, seven or eight thousand dollar check would be nice, but I, it just didn't feel like that was what I don't know. That didn't didn't immediately come out of my mouth, and I was, I, uh, Karen and I, you know, she's feeding Caleb behind me, and I just said, I, I don't know, Becky, and she said, Well, here's the deal, <laughs> poor kid. She said, I have to go do Awanas at my church, and I'm going to come back, and then hopefully you guys will have heard from God what it is that I'm supposed to help you with. And you could tell she was like, she was frustrated, obviously, because she wasn't able to accomplish the other task. And, and we, we come inside, and I sit next to Kara, and we're just looking at each other. We're like, what do you think we're supposed to say? Like, and so I said, let's, let's do this. I just, let's just pray. Because uh, that's what professional Christians do. <laughs> and, and I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you, you start speaking and it's not your heart that's speaking. It's, it was the spirit of God. Um, and it wasn't like speaking in tongues, but it was not my own thoughts. It was the mind of Christ speaking. And what came out was God, maybe this was your way of reminding us that you've got us. Maybe Becky's not supposed to do anything or write a check or get anything for us. Maybe this was you hearing our, our prayer that we really never prayed, to be honest with you. I mean, it was like, God, help. And maybe that's what he heard. But as soon as I said, maybe this is a, a reminder of your, your heart for us and that you're going to keep somebody awake in the middle of the night if we're in need. And, I, and I, I remember, 
I'll never forget it. I looked up and Kara's eyes went big and she looked at me and she goes, that's it. And, and those, are, those are moments that just are, are, are burned into your memory. And what, for me, what that taught me about prayer was realizing that prayer is not just this. It's, it's, it's listening. And if Becky had not been listening, this, this story would not have been able to be told. Like her obedience and her listening. And so to go from, oh wait, this is not just about me filling up space with my voice. This is about me hearing from my creator who loves me and loves everybody here. So uh, that was huge. That was huge for me. Um, another thing about prayer for me personally, and I'm sure I'm the only one that struggled with this, um, is comparison, right? Nobody else struggles with comparison at any time. Cool. Good. All right. So all of you can teach me later about how not to struggle with comparison. Um, but comparison definitely is something that has affected my prayer life because when I hear a story like what Jeff just shared, I go to this place of like, oh, well, I've never stayed awake all night for somebody. Or, oh, no one's ever stayed awake all night for me. So, like, I'm forgotten. I'm not seen. I'm not heard. Um, and so I just, um, just like Jeff addressed the shame aspect, like, I want to address the comparison aspect. Um, that comparison will always steal your joy um, because it it always leaves you feeling better than the next person or less than the next person, right? Um, at least for me, that's been my experience with comparison. Either I'm better than Jeff at prayer or I'm not as good at Jeff at prayer. And so either way, one of us is the winner and one of us is the loser. And so that's why comparison will steal your joy. And I think that just addressing it, especially as we're talking about something so intimate and so sacred, um, like prayer, that... Uh, your heavenly father, whether you have an earthly father that's great or not, he is a good, good father. Like this, like God has it together. He does not disappoint in the dad department. Um, he always comes through. And maybe not the way that we want him to, and maybe not the idea that we have, but he is a consistent God and he is a good father. And I feel like I can say that because of my own daddy issues. Um, took me a really long time to be okay with calling God my dad and not having a ton of hurt and pain attached to that. And so I don't say that lightly. I say it very intentionally. Um, but when we get into that place of comparing, it, it really does derail us from what God has for us because the way that God talks to me is not the same way he talks to Jennifer and not the same way he talks to Samaria and not the same way he talks to Anna and not the same way he talks to Tanya or Kimberly or Deanna like, or Darcy. Like he doesn't talk to me the same way he talks to y'all and vice versa. And that's okay. To me, that's one of the things that makes it so sacred and so intimate, right? At least for me, that's, that's just me and him. And it's not 
there are times when it's all of us. There are times when where two or three or more are gathered. I am there. I am present. The manifested presence of God. Amen. Yes. And then there are times where we get to go into our secret little prayer closet. Prayer closet, right, Gail? Gail has a prayer closet. I'm sorry, I'm sharing that without your permission. There you go. So legitimately, she has a closet with a treadmill in it, and then she prays while she walks on her treadmill. Yeah, we should do that. We need a bigger closet. Minus the treadmill, but let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's how Gail experiences prayer with God. That, that's not how I do it. And that's okay. That doesn't make her better or me better. It just makes us different. And it means that God is meeting Gail in that closet. Gail is someone that I take my prayer request to because when that woman prays, God listens. But also, there are different ways because we're all different. And so we're going to experience prayer differently. And so in the name of Jesus, we just silence comparison. Um, as we talk about prayer and our own relationship and our own conversations with God. Um, don't let comparison be a distraction in your prayer life. One of the things that we, over the last probably 10 years, that shaped a lot of our current uh, attitude towards prayer, and I feel like this is probably at the, at the bottom of all of our belief about prayer, is, is our belief about who God is. Because if you believe that God is, uh, I don't know if you guys heard Melissa Garner's testimony video this weekend, but he talked about God, her, her image of God was that he was Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars, like the electrocution guy, like that was, that was her view of God. And, and it's funny, but it's sad. That's really is a lot of our, what we've been given from, from how it was shown to us or whatever. That was, this, this is our image of God. And so if, if we hold on to a, uh, an image of God that is angry, that is frustrated at us, that thinks, uh, that, that is like, come on, get it together. Uh, why would we pray to a God like that? Why would we speak to a God like that? What makes us want to draw near to a God like that? And so it was huge over the last 10 years, really, of diving into my childhood. Uh, if you don't do counseling, I highly suggest it. Uh, amen. It's not it's, saying amen. He needed it. Just saying no, amen. I did. We all can benefit from counseling. I did, but there was there was such a power of of going back and looking at how I was raised, grieving it, uh, forgiving, and and speaking truth into those things that that I was told either either lies or 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 half truths about God. Um, and so, if you're in that boat tonight, can I just read this verse? Uh, over you. John 17, uh, Jesus is, is right before he's uh, taken away, arrested, uh, crucified. And he's, I love that they recorded this entire prayer, this long prayer of Jesus. Uh, and I'm, I'm guessing he, he told this to John later on, which is just a cool, I'm sure that was a cool conversation. Uh, but John records this prayer. And at the end, he says, I'm going to read verse 20 and 21, but 20, uh, 21 will be on the screen. He says, I'm praying not only for those disciples, also, uh, these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. This is, so he's praying for you. He's praying for us in 2020. He says, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And this is where it blew me away. And may they, 
be in us as Jesus. Oh, wait. I'm so sorry. I, I went to the wrong part. Hold on. Two verses later, I was getting to the good part. Two verses later, he says this. I am in them and they are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. And here's the kicker. And that you, the Father, love them as much as you love me. I sat on that for a while and I was like, wait a second, Jesus, you're saying that the Father loves me just as much as he loves you, his son. It's really easy for us to think of God loving other people, especially for God loving Jesus. But when's the last time you took that and said, that's the, that, that's the same love he has for me? May that heal some of us in the room and start to heal the father wounds. May it start to heal some of the, the, the untruths we've believed about God. The pictures that Jesus, read through, read through the Gospels and listen to Jesus' voice. The Bible says he is the image of the invisible God. Hear Jesus' voice when you pray and when you listen. Hear his tone. Hear what he would say. Because when I started to, to change by the power of the Spirit, when he started to change in me and heal those wounds and, and, and replace the lie for the truth, whew, you start to pray differently. You start to ask differently. You start to, to approach the throne differently. One of the things we want to give you tonight uh, is, and if you noticed, yeah, we can start passing those out. Thank Diana. you, Thank Pat. You. Thank you, Diana. Uh, there's a shape, but I think you guys have done other shapes in here. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. But there's a shape, uh, a hexagon. Yeah, okay. That uh, is, is helpful for us to, it's like a tool of how to pray. So if you're like, man, I just, I'm praying the same thing. Or, and we talked about praying scripture. This is a great way to do that. It comes from Matthew 6, where Jesus uh, said, it's his Sermon on the Mount. And he's laying out how to pray. They say, teach us to pray. And he says this. He says, our Father in heaven, you all know this by heart, most of you. Uh, may your name be kept holy. This is the New Living Translation. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So this isn't like God is, he, he's giving us this, this formula. But it's a helpful, a helpful model of maybe if you're like, I just don't know where to start. Here's something to help you start. So each side represents a different part of the prayer. I'm going to take you through it quickly. And then I just want us to do it, just to, just to try it out, okay? So the first, the top one, is all about God's character. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. It's all about God's character. Jesus shows, shows us that we can interact with God in an intimate manner. He's our Father. Jesus was the first one to call his Father Abba. Daddy, I love that. I don't know if you've ever used that word in your prayers, but it changes how you start to think about God. Daddy, it changes it. He is in heaven and deserved to be holy, respected. We are in awe of him. He's both our father and our king. So start with his character. God, I'm just reminded today of how loving you are. And this doesn't have to be this, you know, King James Version is a, is a great version, but that's not how you talk to God. Don't worry about it. Let your heart just 
Talk about his character. The next one, uh, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. It's all about his kingdom. When you surrender to God as Savior of your life, you recognize that he is Lord, and you want his kingdom to advance on earth. So you, you're, the next part of the prayer might be, how, how can you be a part of his kingdom advancing on earth? We talk a lot about our city being a, a city at peace with God. God, how does that look like for me? What, what part do I play in that? Okay, so first part's his character. Second part is his kingdom. Third part is his provision. Uh, give us today our daily bread. Jesus shows us that we can admit our need to God. I think some of us are afraid of that. Either we're afraid or we're afraid that God's tired of us. That's a lie. Wait, say it again. That's a lie. So, that's a lie. Read the parable of the persistent widow sometime. This woman comes and is, is persistent and just keeps coming and coming and coming. And after a while, the king blesses her. There's a picture of how God doesn't want us to give up. You've been praying for something for years. Keep asking. Keep asking. So we have, we have physical, we have spiritual, emotional needs, and we can trust that he'll provide for our needs. The next one is the forgiveness of God. The prayer goes, forgive us our sins or our debts as we forgive those who sin against us. When we sin against God, we're basically telling God that he and what he has provided for us is not enough to satisfy us. So it's, it's, it's healthy, it's good, it's, it's part of our relationship with God to confess our sins against God and others as well as follow God's example by forgiving others. So maybe God brings someone to mind in this part of the prayer that you need to forgive. It's like, God, help me forgive that person. Help me give up bitterness. The next section is all about God's guidance. Uh, lead us not into temptation. God wants us to go into the world to share his kingdom, but we should not be of the world and succumb to its temptations. We should pray for God to guide us in our interactions with the world as we seek to join in his mission. So praying for his guidance. God, show me your heart for my neighbors. Show me today how I can love my kids more and more like you. The last part is the Father's protection. Rescue us from the evil one, he prays. We're in a spiritual battle, and the enemy wants to lead us astray from what God wants us to do. So we pray that God would protect us from temptation and spiritual warfare as we're doing his mission here on earth. So this is meant to be a help. If you feel shame, no. If you feel comparison, no. This is meant to be an invitation to help. There's other ways. If you're not doing the, the, uh, the, the, the three pauses that our church is doing, that's another invitation. Uh, there's many ways that, that you can catalyze a conversation with God. Some of you are like, I've got this down. I don't need this. Great. Wonderful. But if, if, this, if this is something that goes, oh, I might be able to, to do this. And it might be just a, a sentence or two for each thing. But it just helps inform in our prayer life. So real quick, can we just do this uh, with you and God by yourself? I'm just going to speak out the, the side as we go and, and, and take a moment and practice this. Practice praying to God. Uh, in these areas. So first, let's just pray to God and thank him for his character, okay?
Now pray about his kingdom. God, how, how do you want me to be a part of your kingdom advancing on earth? It might just be that question. Now pray about his provision. This is where you get to be <laughs> greedy at the feet of your father. Maybe it's a prayer you've prayed for years. Pray it again. Pray it again. Take a moment and talk about his forgiveness. Where, where is maybe a, an area that you need to say, I, I missed the mark on this, God. I need you to cleanse me. Sin keeps me from you. And would you forgive me for this? Move on to guidance, the Father's guidance. Pray for God to guide us in our interactions with the world. And lastly, let's pray for his protection. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. And he has overcome our enemy. So just pray for his protection for you, for your family, for your friends. you tonight, uh, would you stand? And if you're comfortable, would you just assume a posture of receiving? So hands out like, like dad's going to give you a gift and he says, close your eyes and just, re just receive this from him tonight. Again, our, our heart tonight was not to put burden or put a yoke. Jesus calls that a yoke. Uh, but, but to to un unveil and unleash the heart of God as he's, he seeks you and wants you to abide in him. So I hope that, that was, that was uh, I hope that's what he did. But here's, here's our benediction. I bless you with the knowledge that God your father loves you as much as he loves his own son, Jesus. And that this knowledge would cause any false images of God to fall and crumble. In Jesus' name. I bless you with a renewed passion to speak to God 
and to listen to God. I bless you with a redeemed definition of prayer. One that is not a weight or a burden, but is a divine invitation to commune with the one who is king and father. He is a good father who rejoices over you, who is not mad at you, but is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. And in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.